a man bought a donkey from a preacher. The preacher told the man that this donkey had been trained in a very unique way, being the donkey of a preacher. The only way to make the, mon- the donkey go is to say, hallelujah. And the only way to make the donkey stop is to say, amen. The man was pleased with his purchase and immediately got on the animal to try out the preacher's instructions. Hallelujah, shouted the man. The donkey began to trot. Amen, shouted the man. The donkey stopped immediately. This is great, said the man. With a hallelujah, he drove off, rode off rather, very proud of his new purchase. The man traveled for a long time and came to some mountains. Soon he was heading towards a cliff and he became nervous. Now he could not remember the word to make the donkey stop. Stop, said the man. Halt, he cried. The donkey just kept going. Oh no, thought the man. He grew desperate. Bible, church, prayer, Sunday school, Jesus, please stop, shouted the man, but nothing worked. The donkey just began to trot faster. He was getting closer and closer to the cliff edge. Finally, in desperation, the man said a prayer. Please, dear Lord, please make this donkey stop before I go over the edge of this cliff. In Jesus' name, amen. The donkey came to an abrupt stop right at the edge of the cliff. With a deep sigh of relief, the man wiped his brow. Hallelujah, he exclaimed. Our words have the power of life and death. So this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about something that God has been speaking to me personally about for a couple of years, I would say, and uh, particularly um, about the power that our words carry. And, uh, And I'm going to try to share some of those things with you this morning in the context of the book of Proverbs, which has a lot to say about the power of words. Our words have power. And the person who said, sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words will never hurt me, was wrong. And we all know that, because our words actually do have power. And part of that is because God's words have power. In fact, God spoke the universe into being through his words. Hebrews 11 verse 3 says, the universe was formed at God's command. And we are created in the image of God. And our words actually also have power. In fact, Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love, its, who love it will eat its fruit. That means that when we speak a lot, We're going to reap something from the words that we're going to speak. Clearly, our words are important. Words can convey information and communicate feelings. They can speak truth or deceive. They can incite or pacify. They can instruct and encourage, guide and cheer. Or they can mock, condemn, wound and destroy. In fact, words can determine the course of your life. That's why the author of Proverbs devotes so much time to instructing and warning his son about the proper use of his tongue, about what words to say and not say, and what words to listen to and not to listen to. 
Solomon, the Bible says, was the wisest person that ever lived. And he knew that it can be a matter of life and death, this business with the tongue. The determining factor is how we choose to use our words, and that's a choice. And that choice and inclination stems from our heart. Our words express what's in our heart. In a sense, you can say, and this is the teacher and me trying to put it into a succinct phrase, they express the internal. Now, last week, Rowley spoke to us on street smarts for the heart. And one key verse that he used was Proverbs 4.23, which says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life or the source of life. One of the ways that the heart is a wellspring of life is that it is where our thoughts that translate into words come from and flow from. Jesus said in Matthew 12, verse 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So there is clearly a connection. Whatever is in our heart will ultimately come out in our words, particularly in our unguarded moments. So in one way, our words are important because they can gauge, they can be a gauge, rather, by which we measure what our own heart condition is. We need to pay attention to the words that habitually come out of our mouth, the things that we habitually talk about, those slips of the tongue that that allow access from the heart to come out through our mouth. But our words are important for another reason. They have a lasting impact on the hearts of others. So our words express the internal, but they also impress the external. Proverbs 12, verse 18 tells us that reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I would guess that all of us have experienced that truth. We felt the pain, the cutting of words that penetrate to our deepest heart and wound us severely. And we felt those words that give comfort in a time when we're struggling and hurting. Proverbs 26, 28 says, A flattering mouth works ruin. God, who gave us our tongue to speak, cares deeply about how we use it, and he wants us to use it to bless people with our words. In fact, Ephesians 4, verse 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Romans 12, 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, We're going to look at a bunch of verses in uh, the book of Proverbs, and there are lots of them about how to use the tongue. Some of them are implied. They don't use specifically the word tongue, but they use the word mouth or speech or talk or, um, or flattery or a bunch of other words that you're going to note when we, when we look at those verses. But they all refer to how we communicate and what we communicate. 
Now, the context for these verses that we're going to look at is uh, on the use of the tongue is King Solomon's loving concern for his son. And he expresses this clearly in the beginning of the book where he frequently says, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, and he's urging him to listen to these things. He says in Proverbs 4, verse 10, listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. And this is true for what he's going to say about the use of the tongue. As he warns and advises his son on the power of words, Solomon draws attention both to the heart condition of the speaker that certain habitual talk reveals and the expression of the, in- and so the, expression of the internal and the impact that certain habitual words have on the hearers, so the impression on the external. Over the course of his life, Solomon has seen the outcomes of many a life, and he has drawn conclusions in wisdom, in supernatural wisdom, that are helpful for us to ponder and apply to our own lives. He rarely gives, in these Proverbs, direct instruction, but rather he draws his son's attention to the things that he, Solomon, has observed over the course of his life. Now, we don't always speak exactly what is in our heart, right? We frequently say things that are just, this is what we're expected to say, like, hi, how are you? I'm fine. Okay, just one example. Sometimes we speak things that later we regret because it's not really our heart at all. Okay, so all of us have those moments where we don't actually say what we are deeply convinced of. Now, what the Proverbs do is they try to address this, this gap, where there is a gap between what is in our heart and what is spoken out through our mouth. And ultimately, God desires truth in the innermost parts. He wants our speech to line up with what, as regenerated Christians with a new heart, with a clean heart, should be speaking. And so he's drawing his son's attention to the differences that occur when when our mouth is not actually speaking the way a righteous heart should be speaking. And so he's trying to draw his his son's attention to these things uh, where he says, look, if you speak like this, you're speaking like a fool. It's like Job when he talks to his wife and she, she tells him, you know, curse God and die. He says to her, you're speaking like a foolish woman. He knows she's not a fool, one who doesn't believe and, and trust in God, who is morally deficient. So Solomon is saying, don't talk like this. Because if you talk like this, you're talking like an unrighteous, like a wicked, like a foolish person. So that's kind of the context of these, of these um, proverbs. Now, these observations that he makes, they follow along certain themes And we can assume that they are most important. So we're going to look at some of these themes. And at this point, I'd like uh, our handouts to go out. Um, What I did in preparing for this is I've read through uh, the Proverbs, and I picked out all of the Proverbs that have something to do with with our tongue and with the way that we use our tongue. And uh, I've compiled them, and then I organized them into themes. Um, Some of them appear in a a couple of... um, sections that you'll see. And we're going to look at those. Um, And I want to encourage you, as we're going through these, we're not going to go through all of them. Don't worry. Once you see the handout, you'll know why I say don't worry. Um, I want to encourage you to make some marks on the paper. Take a pen and, and 
identify when Solomon is talking about the heart or the character of a person in, in what he's saying and when he's talking to what comes out of their mouth, when he's giving a direct instruction, and you're going to find that that's not very often, and when he tells what the outcome of that behavior and that speech is actually going to be. So we're going to start with the first um, section. Uh, the first section that you've got on there says God's words. And just at the very beginning, um, Solomon says in Proverbs 2, verse 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. That is true knowledge and true understanding. And he concludes it near the end of Proverbs with uh, Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. Okay, so that kind of sets the context. Now we're going to look at that first section. Does everybody have the paper? I'm assuming yes. If you don't, share one. Okay, the first section is righteous and wise words. Now, when, the, when Solomon wrote the Proverbs, he always juxtapo- frequently juxtaposes you know, this contrasting against this to help his son, I'm assuming, see the difference because sometimes it's in the, in the contrast that we recognize the beauty of one and the hatefulness of something else. So I'm just going to go through some of these and I want you to just kind of follow along and, uh, and let it sink in and let the patterns sink in and indicate on your paper which of the uh, things are being referred to. So for example, the first one, Proverbs 10 verse 11. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. So I would put above mouth, put a lip, put lips there, and you can just do an oval with a line through. I couldn't find something super simple. You don't have to do a fancy lip. Oval with a line through suffices. The tongue of the righteous. Now, the righteous here is a reference to their character. Okay, so that's where you would put a heart. It's a fountain of life. And then it uh, juxtaposes it with but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. Now, we're going to focus on the righteous aspects of these Proverbs. Proverbs 10.20 says, The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. So there you can put another little lip above the tongue, and righteous is the heart. So this is what he's saying is, this is what you expect. This is the continual flow that comes out of the mouth of a person who has their heart right before God. Okay, you can expect that what comes out of their mouth is, um, is consistently wholesome, is consistently choice silver. It's a good thing. It's valuable. And then it says in verbs, uh, Proverbs 10, 21, the lips of the righteous nourish many. So there's something that's, that's, that feeds the soul and the spirits of, of other people that comes out of the heart of a righteous person or should. And then Proverbs 10.31, the mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom. Okay, so there's wisdom that should be coming out of the heart of a righteous person. And you're probably getting this. Like that, this refers to you and me. This refers to us because we have our heart made right before God. Proverbs 10.32, the mouth of the righteous know what is fitting. But the mouth of the wicked only what is perverse. And then in Proverbs 11.11, it actually indicates that there is a result that is greater than just the person uh, that's speaking or the person they're speaking to. It has an influence on the larger realm. And it says, through the blessing, that righteous speaking, that's speaking God's will of the upright, a city is exalted. 
but by the mouth of the wicked it is destroyed. Proverbs 12, 6, the words of the wicked line wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Okay, so there's positive consequences. So you can put that, that arrow. We're going to skip down to um, the Proverbs 16, 23. A wise man's heart guides his mouth, and his lips promote instruction. Okay, so these are the kinds of things he's saying. Watch that you, you will see that when, you, when you're talking to a righteous person, what comes out of their mouth is going to be uh, life-giving. It's going to be encouraging. It's going to be wisdom-imparting. It's going to nourish people. Proverbs 31, 26, we all know this one. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. Now, the next section deals with gentle and pleasant words. My favorite, which I made my kids memorize when they were very little, was because they fought all the time. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, so a gentle answer, that's where you put the mouth, the lips. And what does it do? It actually turns away wrath. That's an outcome. That's a positive outcome. And a harsh word, on the other hand, stirs up anger. I think we've all experienced that. Proverbs 15.4, the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. I like Proverbs 16.21 as a teacher. The wise in heart are called discerning, and pleasant words promote instruction. I hope my words are pleasant this morning. Proverbs 16.24, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There's actually been proven, um, well, scientific proof, apparently, that positive, the positive effect of words, positive words on plants, that if you curse your plants and you speak harshly to them, they do not thrive, as opposed to plants that are spoken to in kind and loving words actually thrive. So there is, there is something to this. Proverbs 25, 15, through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Okay, we're going to go on to the next section, discretion. Being careful, to be discreet means being careful about what to say and knowing when to keep silent. Proverbs, let's just take a few of those. Proverbs 10, verse 19, when words are many... Sin is not absent. Okay, that's an outcome. But he who holds his tongue is wise. There's an interesting one here. Proverbs 11, verse 22. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion, or a handsome man for that matter. And it just says that discretion trumps physical appearance. There's something beautiful about wisdom, when wisdom speaks. Proverbs 12, 14, from the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him. A prudent man keeps his knowledge to himself, but the heart of fools blurts out folly. He who guards his lips guards his soul, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. 
I like this one. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. Now, advocacy. There's a couple of verses in Proverbs that talk about when to use your voice on behalf of others. In fact, it's very strong. This is one of those times when Solomon actually gives a command. He says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. The next section deals with the the long-term outcome of the use of our tongue. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. That's a consequence. Ruin is, is kind of final. So in the long run, a foolish person who speaks with foolishness on their mouth will end up, in the long run, come to ruin. That's not something that happens overnight. But this is talking about the long-term effects. And it's about setting habits in place. Proverbs 13.3, He who guards his lips guards his soul, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 17.20, a man of perverse heart does not prosper. He whose tongue is deceitful falls into trouble. A fool's lips bring him strife, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his undoing, and his lips are a snare to his soul. From the fruit of his mouth, a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest from his lips He is satisfied. That means that the way we consistently speak influences provision because it influences our relationships, which influences where we advance to, even in jobs. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Now, rash and hasty words. A fool shows his annoyance at once, but a prudent man overlooks an insult. There is tremendous wisdom in there. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. He who guards his lips guards his soul, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and shame. Okay, then there's a whole section on dealing with lying and honesty. Now, I hope that you're getting a sense of where Solomon is going. He's he's juxtaposing this option versus this option. He's talking about not just the things that come out of our mouth, because we can put things on. And in fact, he actually later on talks about when you say something that really isn't in your heart, even if it's a good thing, okay? It doesn't do, in the long run, a lot of good. The key issue is, what's our heart position out of which we consistently speak? And he's teaching his son to pay attention to those outcomes to say, okay, I am not going to be like the fool who squanders his life and ends up in ruin because of the way that he's speaking. I'm going to cultivate a righteous heart so that the things that come out of my mouth are going to promote well-being, are going to promote healing and life and good relationships and success. In the section on lying and honesty... There's one thing, there's, there's a section in the, right at the beginning, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19, twice uh, is, reference is made 
to the things that God hates that refer to the tongue. Once a lying tongue, and secondly, a false witness who pours out lies. God, in fact, it says in Proverbs 12, 22, the Lord detests lying lips. Those, the lies that, that continuously, habitually come from a person's mouth. God detests that. He delights in men who are truthful. Proverbs 16, 13, kings take pleasure in honest lips, but they value a man who speaks the truth. Now, he's speaking for himself because he was king. Proverbs 21, 6, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. Proverbs 24, 28 is an instruction. Do not testify against your neighbor without cause or use your lips to deceive Okay, let's go on to the next section, perversity, mockery, and wickedness. Now, I wanted to just uh, give a couple of definitions. Perverse means persistent or obstinate in what is wrong, turned away from or rejecting what is right, good, and proper, wicked or corrupt. To mock means to attack or treat with ridicule, contempt, or derision. And wicked means evil or morally bad in principle or practice. In Proverbs 4, verse 24, the second one down, it says, Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So here, Solomon isn't just talking about make these general observations. He's actually saying, don't do it. Keep these things away from your mouth. Don't talk that way. Now, I'm going to leave you to read the rest of these on your own because uh, it, it bears some careful thought and study. There's a whole section on flattery and a whole section on gossip and then a larger section on uh, the mouth of a fool. Now, there's one I think that may not be on here, and I, I really love it myself. It's, it's the one that says... Um, it says this, even a fool is thought wise when he keeps silent. And I had an experience of that when I was a brand new Christian. Uh, I went to Africa and uh, into a French-speaking country to teach some missionary kids. And uh, the church president of all of the churches in the area uh, came over. Um, and they talked at length in French. And I understood what they were saying, and I had a great urgency to show how well, how much I knew by jumping into the conversation in my, in my French, but alas, my French wasn't good enough and I wasn't quick enough, so I just sat there uh, feeling foolish. Well, later, um, the, our, our missionary's wife came to me and she said, uh, you know, uh, the president actually had some words of praise for you. And, uh, and what he said was that I was very wise. Uh, because I didn't say anything. I knew my place, and I knew that I needed to keep quiet. And I was very, very grateful that I didn't actually jump in and, uh, and shoot my mouth off. And, uh, the, and I was just new at reading my Bible, so I had, uh, was aware of the verse that says, even a fool is thought wise when he keeps silent or she. Okay, so 
lots of incredible admonishments about how to use the tongue and what to say and what not to say. And I want to encourage you to read those over. Now, I want to conclude with one more section. Um, so we've talked about how uh, there's two big reasons uh, for watching what we say. Um, first of all, they express the internal, so they express what is in our heart. And they impress the external, so we need to go to the next slide. They impress the external because they have an impact on other people's hearts and, uh, and our relationships consequently, and that ultimately determines our life. But there's a third reason that we need to watch what we say, and this is the one that is really close to my heart. They impress, our words impress the unseen the unseen realm, the spiritual realm, they have a spiritual impact. In fact, the most powerful impact your words can have is engaging the spirit realm. Now, this too is a double-edged sword. It can be for good and it can be for bad. It is on my heart, church, because I believe that we oftentimes speak things that negate what we think we believe in our hearts. And there is something that happens to our words when we put them out there in the spirit realm. Because there is an active spirit realm that we don't see, that is moving in accordance to the words that come out of our mouths. The angelic realm is alert to the words that come out of our mouths so that they can get behind them. And so is the demonic realm. That is why what we say is so important. That is why prayer is so powerful, especially when we pray the word of God. Remember Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God is flawless. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Isaiah 55, God himself declares the power of his word to do things, to get things done. It's not just information. He says, as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Here's an example of when God drove this home to me. I was reading in the book of Luke and uh, the story about the disciples being told to go and, um, and get a donkey in town for Jesus to ride on. When the disciples were told to get that donkey, he told them exactly what to say if there was opposition. Tell them, he said, the Lord needs it. And then Luke 19.33 says, as they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? Like, what do you think you're doing? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, and in Mark 11, it gets even more precise. It says, they answered as Jesus had told them, and the people let them go. Quoting God is a powerful weapon. One last example. Ezekiel 37 describes the prophet in the Valley of Dry Bones, an army long dead. God tells him to prophesy, to speak words 
to the dry bones. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. You will know that then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come, breathe a breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Church, your words engage the spirit realm, whether you are aware of it or not. The question is, what will you put out there through your mouth? Will you speak words that negate the word of God? What you say you believe in your heart, will you negate that with your words spoken in unbelief? Will you, with your words, throw ammunition to the enemy that he can and will use against you and against those you speak of? Or will you speak words of life that align themselves with the will and heart of God? Will you speak truth from God's heart based on his word that the angelic realm can get behind and carry out? That's the question. I think that we all agree that there is great power in the written word. But I want to challenge you today to pay attention to what you say because there is great power in the spoken word. Speak life. I'm going to pray for us. Father, I think that we have no idea, really, of what a matter of life and death our words really are. Holy Spirit, I want to ask you that you help us to become more aware of the words that come out of our mouths, that we speak that which is fitting, that comes out of the heart that you have renewed inside us, Holy Spirit, that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing in your sight. Lord, I pray that you would fulfill this, that we would speak salt and light and living water wherever we go. In Jesus' name, amen.